morning. Thanks, Gordon, for the introduction. And thank you all for choosing to come. There's a great menu of seminars. And uh, thanks for choosing to come to this one. Uh, I hope we're challenged and encouraged by some of what we hear and share together. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah no problem. Um, so Peter and I both work for the Evangelical Alliance. Uh, Peter doesn't need an introduction. You've just seen him on the main stage, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, and Gordon's introduced now, Public Policy Officer at the Evangelical Alliance. And our organisation has been around 170 years this year. And we've been passionate about two things from the start. Unity and advocacy. And unity because um, we, we have member churches from 79 different denominations across the UK. Our members are 79 denominations. Um, so there's a broad uh, church out there that's uh, very diverse uh, and, and great in, in number in terms of the denominations. Um, and lots of independent churches to sort of high Anglican. So a real, a real mix in there. And right from the start, we, we've used that breadth of membership to speak into a public square. And so I suppose this seminar, uh, why this seminar? I suppose it touches on both those things. We want to, um, we're passionate about the unity of the church. Um, and Peter and I are both passionate about the jobs that we do. It's a real privilege to do it. And we're passionate about the good news and unifying an uh, evangelical church in, in Northern Ireland together. And we're passionate about speaking into the, the public life of the place around us. Um, and so maybe the, some of the information in this uh, seminar will uh, just help us to be better equipped as we think through even what Scott's going to be teaching this week or Gavin or others, as we think about evangelism, as we think about mission, uh, whatever it tends to be, we need to know the context that, that we're working in, in Northern Ireland. So last week Peter was speaking in Cornerstone, a large independent sort of charismatic church up in Derry, Londonderry. Uh, a few weeks prior I was speaking in Woodville Shankle uh, Methodist Church on a Sunday night, a little tiny uh, church on, on the Shankle Road with about 20 people in it. And that's something of um, the sort of membership in the churches that we get to be out and around and gives you a wee bit of the breadth from um, East Belfast where we've maybe four or five big Presbyterian churches alone that we would be, be around out to the small country rural church, Church of Ireland in County Armagh. And as I said, it's vital that we as Christians understand the culture around us, the broad culture, but also the church culture that we live in. What's the, the scale and the health of the church in Northern Ireland? And let me just be clear, the health of the church isn't just reflected in numbers, so just, just to make that clear. Um, but they, they can tell us and, and point towards trends, and we'll maybe just tease some of, some of that out. Um, one of the challenges it faces, one of the encouraging things that we can learn from and encourage more of, um, how can we be more fruitful in the service of the king? I suppose that's one of the questions we're asking as well. So let me just take a few minutes to um, point out a bit of the, the Northern Irish church landscape. Uh, this is really, really broad brush um, stuff. And um, please forgive me because I'm pointing out very obvious things here. But wherever you maybe live in Northern Ireland for years or you maybe grew up here, uh, we can just get into ways of thinking without challenging uh, our, our context or, or the, the world that we live in. <coughs> so I think there's a historical um, element dimension that's quite unique to the church in Northern Ireland. So our, our history, um, you know, words like conquer, invasion, division, <coughs> or plantation, pioneers or settlers, um, these sort of words still, still resonate. It wasn't that long ago when a political meeting I was in that I was called a settler. 
Now, I don't know my ancestry that well, but I'm guessing it was 400 years or more since <coughs> my people came here to settle. But that's still raw for, for some parts in, in Northern Ireland. And it's, it's just interesting um, to be mindful of that. And um, history at a glance always seems clear. Uh, but as we do more, we reflect and dive into it, especially in a year like this, um, reflecting back to 1916. And we find a lot of interest in the nuance. It's not always good versus bad. I think back to the, the Battle of the Boyne, uh, something our, our uh, country celebrates, various elements celebrate every year. Uh, a Dutch Protestant king, with the backing of the Pope, fought an English Catholic king on the banks of an Irish river as part of a European war. Uh, it's a lot more complicated than King Valera's horse. Uh, uh, you know, and we need to just, I suppose, be aware of some of the complexities that um, led to the foundations of much of the, the modern church that we see today. Uh, but no matter what our moral view on, on history, um, history does tell us that Protestantism came to these shores in the midst of very turbulent and violent times. And there's something of that mindset still in our thinking today, I would suggest. Something of siege and defence. Um, that can be physical, uh, it can be psychological, it can be spiritual. And just to be cognizant of that, just to be aware of that. Um, on, the, on the radio driving up today, uh, there was a political interview about in North Belfast, and again, the interview, maybe, maybe heard, there was a few people in the crowd just shouting, no surrender, and that can be something of our mindset in, in Protestant, even evangelical thinking, and I'm, I'm not talking politics here, I'm just thinking, in terms of the way we do church, there can be that element that, that actually is deeply historical, politicised there as well. Uh, geographical, so let's just look at this, sorry you can't see that particularly well. Uh, the really dark areas are, are areas where um, more than 60% of the population are Protestant. And um, the blue areas, so if you can, you can see blue and red. It's not that clear, my apologies. But the dark bits are red, and the, the blue bits you can maybe see. The, the dark blue bits are where the population is more than 60% Catholic. The dark red bits are in North Down, up into Antrim. Uh, across the East London area, sort of here, um, uh, and down through the Van kind of um, the Van River area. Um, those are areas where um, it's more than sixty percent Protestant. But our church culture is affected by our geography, which is affected by our history. Now, just to tie that that in, that just simply to make that point. Uh, political then, <coughs> as we know in Northern Ireland, politics and church is strongly intertwined. And again, back from plantation. Um, and sort of the, the outline of Catholicism through the mass rocks, people having to meet um, to, to worship outside of um, a church that was sort of forbidden by the institutions, and, and Presbyterianism, of course, as well. Um, home rule is Rome rule. Uh, the strong link, uh, kind of in, in martyrdom, if we went back to the events of 1916 and their seminars later on in the week around that, uh, both the Rising and the Psalm, the strong sort of um, Judeo-Christian themes of martyrdom and sacrifice in those acts uh, and it's just interesting how politics um, and church have been so strongly intertwined um, round where I live people don't talk about the Free Presbyterian Church they talk about Paisley's Church uh, that's how it was always known wherever I, I grew up was Paisley's Church and that link again between um, sort of church and um, politics is just, it's just really really strong um, for Gone and Ulster um, you know, when we know these phrases and they're, they're really familiar to us, but just to remind us that it's maybe not that way so much 
and in other parts of England, Scotland, um, the South. Yes, church and politics still have a fractious relationship, but we do live in quite a unique context. Cultural then, um, again, we have uh, institutions like the Orange Order, which are cultural, which are political, uh, with a, a small p, which are religious. Um, and, and how um, do we in this culture just, just appreciate that that is part of the broader um, church landscape that we, that we live in? Um, also, just to mention, and again, back to, uh, I suppose, 400 years ago, generally some of the, the, main, or the, the main denominations do have um, what's termed, and I'm quoting this, ethnically distinct denominations. So English and Welsh settlers generally uh, Anglican, Scots, Presbyterian, Irish, um, Gaelic, uh, or, or sorry, Irish Catholic, and, and so those roots, those cultural um, roots, are, are come into our church practices as well. And um, what about contemporary? Um, many more, more so. Northern Ireland, just like any other part of these islands, or the West, to. to many degrees. Now yes we're different in, in a few ways and we're often blamed as being backward and regressive and bigoted and that's often blamed on religion as well. But um, to borrow phrases that Peter and I borrow from each other, I suppose I borrow more from him um, I buy stuff I individualism buy consumerism stuff materialism and whether you go to America um, whether you go to London, um, wherever it is um, this, this kind of Western individualism, consumerism, materialism, um, is quite descriptive of a lot of the, the contemporary just culture that, that we live in. Um, and then spiritual, I suppose just, um, we have such a diverse range of churches in Northern Ireland. Um, you know, in, in some countries, the state church is pretty much sort of 90% of, of church congregations in that country. Not, not so here. We have uh, Reformed Presbyterian, through the Pentecostals, Church of Ireland, Methodists, um, small independent fellowships through the kind of global brand charismatics, almost like Hillsong and Vineyard, that are worldwide uh, new sort of emerging movements. Immigrant churches, house churches, um, and, and so just a really colourful, wide, wide perspective. What I just want to do now, briefly, is move on to some um, recent statistics that, that are out there that have been gathered about the, um, the church in Northern Ireland. Peter's going to touch on a survey that we did ourselves and come on to that. But here's some stuff that's been around for a while. And I'm really thankful to Paul Coulter uh, from the New Horizon team, who's helped me to who's gather all of this in one place and made it really easy for me to do this. So I just want to acknowledge it. Um, just at this point, though, important to distinguish um, sort of religiosity. And what do I mean? I mean, the non-religious, the religiously committed who practice their religion and the religiously affiliated who are happy to accept a religious identity, Protestant, Catholic, Christian, but don't um, practice or confess their faith in a day-to-day way. So the non-religious, um, the religiously committed, and the sort of those who are happy to have a religious affiliation. So affiliation, um, from the 2011 census, we have this, 82.3% of Northern Ireland's 1.8% Million people uh, identifying as Christian, and you'll see there are a lot of affiliation there, obviously. Um, so I, I won't go into that in a lot of detail, I think um, Peter's going to pick that up, but uh, about 10% said they had no religion, uh, about 6.8% gave no response, so we're not entirely sure, and not 0.8% gave other religions. Um, compared to England, 
It's about 57% going by a survey with EA and Born and Fable last year, Talking Jesus. So 82% here, 57% in England, with 9% there being practicing Christians. So just quite a different landscape. Um, Catholics, 40% of the population. Presbyterian, 19%. Church of Ireland, 13.7%. Other Christian, 5.8%. And Methodist, 3%. I think that's the next slide there, maybe. Um, um, interestingly, the number of people from other religions rose by 200% between 2001 and 2011. I'm in a great period of immigration then, but it's still only not 0.8%. So although other religions rose by 200% in 10 years, it only went from 0.2% to 0.8%. Not confusing myself. I think that's right. <laughs> um, so a, a 200% rise, but still less than 1% of, of the, the population. Let's look at police and practice. Um, I should just say, if anyone wants these slides after, um, if you, you can sign up on our stand and we can, we can send these round. Don't worry about scribbling them down, or you can get the recording. 45.3% in Northern Ireland, uh, people in Northern Ireland attend church at least once a month. 45.3% in Northern Ireland attend church at least once a month. Um, the UK average is 15%. Um, 39% attend weekly, and 14% never attend. 39% weekly, 14% never attend. Now, let's go back to the 2007 survey. So things will have changed, um, and some of our uh, survey may, may reflect that a little bit. BBC RTE figures from last year show that 42% of over 50s go to church weekly. 42% of over 50s go to church weekly, but only 10% of 18 to 24 year olds. As we'll see shortly, um, some research from Summer Madness this year of 1,000 people, 75% of people who came to faith um, did so before they became 18 years old. 75% of people who came to faith did so before they hit 18 years of old age. Um, Catholic attendance, uh, weekly attendance at Mass in Northern Ireland. Just to give a, a picture again of context, 95% in 1968, and that's fallen to 53% in 2009. Protestants, 1968 was 45% attending weekly, 35% in 1992, and 34% in 2009. So it's tailing off at a much lower rate, I suppose. Um, so Ashworth and Farming, who did some of this research that I, I'm reflecting, divided non-church doors into those who were de-churched and those who were unchurched. So people who had previously been churched, been that church, um, and those who were non-churched and never been. Two-thirds of de-churched people and more than 90% of unchurched people were closed to the idea of going back to church. So two-thirds of de-churched people, 90% of unchurched people were closed to the idea of going to church in the future. And reconversion rates, they say, are less than 0.05% yearly. So unfortunately, the sad picture seems to be that once someone leaves, goes, whether we say vaccinated, vaccinated, or, or leaves church that maybe they never made a commitment, the, the possibility of them coming back, statistically it would seem, is really quite, quite low. Uh, Northern Ireland Life and Time Survey 2004 and 2008 provides some insights into religious beliefs. So this is about really beliefs. 
80% of people in Northern Ireland say they believe that God exists. And according to this survey, two-thirds identify as Christian. So a bit less than the 80%, 82% in the census. 29% would say that they experienced a turning point where they made a new and personal commitment to religion. Uh, and nearly a third pray daily, and a quarter are confident that God is involved in their daily lives. There's some encouraging figures in there, I think. Overall, around 30% of the population in Northern Ireland, the total population, 25% of Catholics and one-third of Protestants adhere to conservative Christian theology and morality, describing their experience of turning to God and actively practising their faith. Imagine that potential, that 30%, and I don't like this phrase, but market share of Northern Ireland. Imagine that 30% of people, what difference that can make in their culture. It's just, it's an interesting, um, interesting number. Um, despite declining church attendance, the number of congregations is rising. That's according to Peter Brierley, some research he did in Northern Ireland in 2014. Uh, Peter may mention some, some more about that, but um, in he, he identified an increase from 2008 to 2013 of 86 congregations. So 2013, he said there are 2,289 Christian congregations in, in Northern Ireland. Um, so an interesting picture, church attendance declining, but the number of congregations rising. Uh, again, I don't know if through like something like consumerism and, and different choices within church, um, or some closing and some opening, it's just an interesting dynamic that maybe begs more questions and answers that we can give it at this stage. Um, just very quickly, now I'm going to hand over here. Here, uh, I want to touch upon evangelicalism. It's a very hard term to define. And if I asked you if you were an evangelical, you may immediately say yes, but you may want to caveat that in some way. Most evangelicals do, actually, according to research. Um, they want to say, yes, I'm an evangelical, but here's what I need. And again, in Northern Ireland, because of our history and our context, there's different understandings of what evangelical maybe means. Some people are maybe reluctant to use the word, uh, and some people are very proud and glad to use, use the word as a descriptor. Um, but David Babington has a very succinct kind of summary of this. Um, it's conversionism, the belief that personal lives need to be changed. Activism, the expression of the gospel in, in effort, in works. Biblicism, uh, a particular regard for the Bible. And bear with me on this. Christocentrism, sorry I've got that wrong. A stress on the sacrifice of the cross, of Jesus on the cross. So essentially conversionism, uh, your, your faith meaning doing something. The Bible and the cross, they're kind of the, the marks of evangelicalism, of classic evangelicalism. 600 million evangelicals worldwide, the, w, the World Evangelical Alliance would, would estimate. A movement which has crossed or risen uh, across denominational boundaries. Um, in Northern Ireland, evangelicals account for between a third, 33% to 55% of the Protestant church, or about 15% of the total population. And there would be a small evangelical Catholic movement, uh, but around 15% of the population, we would, we would estimate. Um, in the Republic of Ireland, 15% here. In the Republic of Ireland, 1.5%, so 10 times less. Scotland, around 1%, actually even less. Um, and I think 9%, as I said, in England and Wales was the um, practicing Christian, so within that would be less again. Um, I think it's around 4% in England and Wales. 
Um, so yeah, there's, there's huge questions raised here about how we spread the good news of Jesus. I'm not going to comment on that anymore. We're going to have some sort of analysis and comment in the end. Uh, and lots of time for questions as well. So if I've said something or if there's a stat or something that's stuck out, make a note of it and, and do bring it up again. I'm going to hand over to Peter at this stage. He's going to talk a little bit more about our survey and some more statistics. Thanks, David. Um, we love stats. We're weird like that. Um, but I think stats tell us loads. And... Uh, there's stories linked with them, and they shape what we need to do and, and where we need to engage. So, um, as David said, in terms of the big picture, the evangelical church in Scotland and in Wales is, is really struggling. It's like down at 1%, so it's really low. It's about 3.5% then across the UK when you take that 9% of practicing Christians. That includes quite a wide variety of churchmanship in there, so about 2 million evangelicals in the UK. One of the things that really surprised me... There's about a quarter uh, of evangelicals in the UK are in black majority churches, mainly Nigerian. Um, so it's a big chunk now of evangelicalism within the UK, um, and, and it's beginning to have a real impact in terms of how the church engages. Um, and so the Redeemed Church, uh, Redeemed Christian Church of God, RCCG, would be one of the biggest within that. And, and across Ireland, they would have 116 churches, nearly all in the south, I think there are only three in the north. Um, so maybe not coming up on our radar in the same way, um, but actually, the biggest Christian gathering in Ireland is the Redeemed Churches Gathering. Um, this is the biggest in Northern Ireland, but the second biggest. So, um, uh, so that's primarily Nigerian church. So, um, yeah, as David said, we've got 1.8 million people here. Uh, and we've got the split, Protestant and Catholic. And then those of no religion, that's definitely the rising group within Northern Ireland. So 10%, mainly in North Down. Um, that's where the problem is. Uh, and then another 7% not stating their religion. Um, so, but, so Dave's given some stats of people who say they go to church and, and so they asked with them uh, that some of those surveys are about um, what people say when asked about their attendance at church. The other thing we can do is obviously ask churches who turns up and funnily enough there's a gap. So Gallup do some polling in the States. They say they can predict the next US president to within about half or I think it's 0.1 of a percentage point, their accuracy. They say the least reliable figure they have is asking people if they went to church last Sunday. People just tend to lie and exaggerate that they're going to church. They say it's the hardest one to get right. Um, and it's really important we know who turns up, because if you're in the earlier session, Scott says, hey, you're not in the kingdom if you're not a church. But we need to know who's actually at the gathered church. So we have some figures on the um, Catholic Church. Um, so there's about 740,000 people in Northern Ireland identify themselves as Catholic. Um, so again, Nolan, oh yeah, we're coming to that in one second, sorry, the Catholic Church. So the Nolan's survey that they did, um, it's not Nolan's. It was done robustly by people, and he used it. Um, again, attendance figures within the Catholic community, were, they would say, reporting back, were 32% weekly. But the Catholic Church has done a really good headcount census on a particular Sunday, and about 155,000 people are actually turned up at church on a Sunday. Now, that's kind of your lowest figure, because we all know that we would say we attend church regularly, many of us. That means we're on holiday, we're sick, kids are sick, there's some reasons we don't get. So that's the kind of low mark figure you can get, 155,000. And about 190, maybe 200,000 are attending regularly. And that's the Catholic community. And then looking at the Protestant churches, we have the table that was just popping up behind me. Um, so this is our kind of snapshot overview in terms of that. Um, so snapshot Sunday, that's how many are there on a given, like a census Sunday. Not, no, we ran a survey about 140, 140 churches out of about 1,500 that are in Northern Ireland. So this is 10% of churches 
We've aligned that with data we can gather from churches. Some have lots. Church of Ireland done really detailed surveys. Presbyterian Church has less data on who's there on a Sunday. So taking a lot of that together, this is our best guess uh, on that. So on a snapshot, we'll, we'll do each church in detail in a minute, but you get the sense of the snapshots of saying individual Sundays, 66,000 people are at a Presbyterian Church. That probably equates to about 81,000 monthly because we all miss a couple of Sundays for various reasons. Their membership on the rolls, if you have that system and they do, is 230,000. They have 445 churches uh, in Northern Ireland <coughs> and that they have an average attendance of approximately 150 people. Uh, and you see at the bottom then where we're getting to in our totals, um, so about 188,000 people on a snapshot Sunday, this Sunday are going to be in church. In a, in a Protestant church, and you combine that with a Catholic figure of about 155,000, and that's how many people are in church on a given Sunday. So you're 330, 340,000 people. Just to put that in perspective, over the entire course of the Irish League season, 190,000 people go to soccer matches. It's about eight or 9,000 on any given weekend. You look at the back pages of our papers, and you think this is the biggest thing in the world. It's really not <laughs> the Irish League. No disrespect to those like the Irish League. So there are 190,000 in the entire season go to Irish League games. There's about the same number go to church in Protestant churches this Sunday alone. So again, when we're talking to politicians, one of the reasons we were keen to do this was to say, yes, the church is um, declining in certain areas, and the statistics show that, um, but actually there's no other organisation that gathers that many people uh, on a weekly basis who are committed, who are volunteering, who are giving money. This is a serious force to be reckoned with and, and engaged with. Um, we think, though Scott may disagree, but more on that tomorrow at another panel. <laughs> no, it's Wednesday. Um, Scott and I are arguing about whether Christians should be involved in politics. Guess which side I'm on. Um, so, let's look at the Presbyterian Church uh, for a moment. So, let's fire up some numbers around that. So, if you look at the census, 350, give or take, thousand people say they're uh, Presbyterian when they take the census form. Why they overestimate? I guess a lot of people who were previously in the church like to do it. People don't like to take other on a census form. So if they've got a connection to all, they'd rather go Presbyterian than other, it seems to be. But anyway, so there's a, there's a kind of overestimate based on what the Presbyterian church has themselves, which is this 230,000 number. So I think it's going to pop up 211,000 listed, sorry, in the Presbyterian church within the north. Then there's 81,000 people coming on a monthly basis. And then 66,000 on the snapshot Sunday. And... Uh, so what does that tell us about an average Presbyterian church? Well, we think there's 150 people in your average church. Uh, we asked some other questions uh, that made this interesting. So 20% of their church is under 18. That's one of the lower percentages. Not a massive variation on some other churches, but it's, it's good to note. Uh, we asked then how many people were volunteering in a church. And on average, there's 77 volunteers in a Presbyterian church. And then we asked how many people are you aware of coming to faith? Not necessarily in your services, just in your church. No, it's anecdotal. It's a kind of ambiguous question to ask. But we're just pushing and saying, tell us what you're hearing about people coming to faith. Because if that's not the core of what your church is about, then there's questions. <laughs> um, so there's a disappointing number of people said none. But um, five people coming to faith in the average Presbyterian church. Um, so the top the kind of stats that are already out there, and we're drilling into those a little bit. Um, I suppose the 81 and 66 are the two that we're giving a little bit more, hopefully, accuracy to and really beginning to understand. But I, we were also really interested in, in this number of volunteers and the age profile of a church and who's coming to faith. 
So that's the snapshot of by far the biggest church in Northern Ireland. So the Presbyterians represent roughly a third of all people going to church in Northern Ireland. The Church of Ireland and the Methodists combined, they do have a covenant relationship, are just under a third. Sort of 55,000 in total when you put those two together. We're going to do the Church of Ireland now. And then the Independents and the Baptists, the Free Peas, Elam, put all those guys together. And that's roughly about a third as well. If you want to think in the big picture. Third Presbyterian, third Church of Ireland Methodist, a third the rest. Um, so, Church of Ireland, what do we know about the Church of Ireland? Um, about just under a quarter of a million people on the census say they're associated with the Church of Ireland. There's a much closer correlation with the Church of Ireland's own numbers, which again are about 211,000. Um, so, uh, and they've been doing a lot of work, uh, Bishop Harold in particular, going into more, trying to map the census uh, figures and those who've taken that with local churches and saying, hey, you have 300 people in your book. The census says there's 500 people in your area are associating with you. That's a surely easy wins to go out and begin to talk to and connect with in your area and begin to ask questions like, would you like to come to church? Because you seem to be taking a form saying you're with us. So uh, they're really brilliant, but why would you not, as a first evangelistic tool, people who are already indicating warmth and engagement. Um, 50, just over 50,000 people attending on a monthly basis and 40,000 on a snapshot Sunday. The Church of Ireland, those of you who are involved in me know, have done that census Sunday uh, in November last year, two years ago now. Um, and so there's a pretty strong, those figures are very robust uh, in terms of knowing who turned up and who's associated. And down in Jermore is the biggest diocese within that. There's about 50,000 in the Church of Ireland across the island of Ireland on a given Sunday. 40,000 are in the north. And down in Jermore is the biggest diocese within that. And we now know from some of the other surveys we've been doing that the average church size then is about 100 people. So that's you know, significantly smaller than Presbyterians at 150. Um, 23% of the congregation are under 18. So again, it's not, those, those are not statistically significant to really lean into, but we're, in, we're intrigued. We do notice that some of the independents will have higher levels of uh, under 18s in percentage terms, just a little higher. 39 volunteers per church. That does seem to have statistically significant vis-a-vis the Presbyterians. They seem to have a lot more. Um, And 10 people coming to faith in the church. Um, Now, we're only surveying 140 churches, the ones that are most likely to engage with us. We we realise that. We asked everybody. We put it out as widely as we could. Um, But that just gives a flavour again of what's going on in the the Church of Ireland. Um, The next one we're going to pick up are the independents because they're numerically... Um, the next biggest bunch. Um, so they have about 25,000 people attending monthly across the various independents. So um, just to clarify, the independents does not include Elim or Vineyard or uh, Baptists or Brethren that have some sort of denominational grouping. These are your CFCs, Green Pastures, smaller independent churches who are entirely without. Now they might vary... Um, sort of generally lock into a much bigger group or be a member, for example, of Evangelical Alliance, but they're not in even a smaller denominational thread, so it's not your vineyards, not your elims. Um, so uh, 25,000 attending monthly, and they have uh, 22,000 on our snapshot Sunday. So again, the correlation there is tighter than some of the older churches between who's there in a snapshot and who's there more regularly. They, they're, they're, the people attending those churches attend more regular and a higher rate of knots, if you like. So the Presbyterians, the two established churches, and the Methodists, to some degree, pick up a, a bigger number of people in that monthly cycle. Um, and so there is that difference. Uh, bigger, higher level of attendance. Now, this figure is 240. 
the reality is we know we have served, we have got responses from some of the bigger churches and we're going to have to try and filter that down and work out what to do with it. Statistically, that's what we got back. That's high. We clearly got green pastures and some others responding to our survey and that skews things. So we're going to have to try and work out how to take some of the bigger and smaller ones out to get a median number. Um, so 24% of the congregation are under 18. They've got 133 volunteers per church. Um, um, so averaging it all out across that and 33 people coming to faith per church to begin to see some of the spread that is undoubtedly true that the level of volunteership is higher and seeing more people coming to faith across the surveys so that's our independence the Baptists um, no disrespect to the Methodists but they have and our numbers been squeezed down a couple of slots here <laughs> um, so 22,000 coming along monthly to Baptist churches uh, 15,000 in our snapshot survey and that correlates with what the Baptists uh, think themselves they have coming so we've been chatting to them about that they have about 7,500 members so membership working in a different way there than it might in the Presbyterian or Church of Ireland Church membership being a much bigger number of people that are loosely associated and then a smaller number attending in fact the Baptists will often have a smaller core membership but a lot more people attending their churches um, so those figures are from their own numbers and correlate exactly with what we got. So we're very happy. These are pretty robust set of figures with the Baptists. 165 people attend their church on an average Sunday. Um, they've got 24% under 18 and uh, 61 volunteers per church. And a very low number of people coming to faith, three people coming to faith uh, across the churches um, in, for the Baptists. The Methodists. Um, so... Uh, 54,000 identify on the survey, on, on the census, sorry, and 53,000 actually on the Methodist church lists. So again, the correlation there is very close uh, in terms of the census numbers. About 17,000 people on the church on a monthly basis and about 15,000 on a snapshot Sunday. Um, coming down, they kind of, again, the sort of filter, if you like, with the Methodist church. 133 on an average Sunday. So a little bit bigger numbers than the Church of Ireland. And again, we would have questions as to who was responding to us. I think that might be slightly high. 20% of the congregation under 18, so one of the lowest numbers again. Um, 48 volunteers per church and nine people coming to faith per church in the numbers that we will see. And then the final category is other. Um, so this is where, the, as I say, this includes quite... Quite a sort of grouping of the our Reformed Presbyterians, Free Presbyterians, Brethren, Elam, and Benyard. So basically a whole bunch of people who wouldn't actually talk to each other. <laughs> so let's... But we put them together. <laughs> what do we have? Well, no, it's right. So it's not... I don't, I'm not giving the stats in the same way they don't work. So we've got, just for example, Elam have about 8,000 people going to church uh, across 50 churches. It's not there. It's just, I'll just tell you these numbers then. Uh, so Elam, about 8,000 would be the next biggest grouping. The Free Presbyterian Church have just about 7,000 going to 61 churches. The Brethren have about 5,500 across 135 churches. So a lot of churches, but a lot smaller fellowships. Um, uh, Vineyard have about just over 4,000 across eight churches, a lot smaller. Most of you know I'm involved in Causeway Coast Vineyard, which skews the numbers, and we've had to keep them out of some things. Um, and the Reformed Presbyterian Church, 3,800 across 42 churches. Um, so that's what's bringing that, uh, all, all the bits of that other category together. So 
For me, what's interesting now is to say Presbyterians form about a third, 66,000 people turning up on a Sunday. And the Church of Ireland Methodists coming together to give us 55,000, the next chunk. And then all the other, either independents or smaller denominations forming that other 66,000. That's our broad breakdown um, of who's turning up at church. And that gives us 188,000 people on a snapshot Sunday, something like 220, 230 on a monthly basis. A big chunk of people still turning up at church. So, what does that tell us? Well, I want to do. I want to show two videos um, as I to finish up. uh, I'm going to make some commentary. The first is called "Talking Jesus." It's just two minutes, and this is our colleagues across the UK working on some survey work. They'll highlight a few figures just about people's desire to share Jesus and some stats on that. And I want to pull out a few of those in a moment, and then some commentary. So, this is "Talking Jesus." Most people outside our churches know about Jesus. Has it ever had a conversation with a practicing Christian about Jesus? Answers to questions like these could really help us share the most amazing news. The love of God for all of us through Jesus. So we asked. And here's what people, your friends and neighbours said. 57% said they're a Christian. 9% are active Christians. They regularly go to church, pray and read the Bible. It's a starting place. But what do they actually know about Jesus? 21% think he's God, while 30% think he's a spiritual leader or prophet. But only 60% think he was an actual, real, historical person. Our job here is clear. Let's make sure everyone gets to hear that Jesus actually lived and walked on earth and that he claimed he was God. How are we going to do this? Well, 67% said they know one of us, an active follower of Jesus. And we're most likely to be their family and friends. But have we ever spoken to them about Jesus? 58% of those who know us have had a conversation about Jesus with us. Now that's a great start. But what if they think about Jesus after that conversation? One in five are open to knowing and experiencing more about him. That's one in five of your friends and family members, the people you know really well, who are waiting for you to talk about Jesus with them. And we found out that talking to someone who knows Jesus was really important in helping 36% of us decide to follow Jesus for ourselves. So let's talk Jesus. So to get some of that information, what we did was we worked with Barna and lots of churches around the whole of the UK. Um, So this is UK data, not exclusive to Northern Ireland. What makes it interesting, certainly for someone like me, is we uh, used comrades, we used a standard polling bank and got, uh, once we did the enlarged survey, a thousand Christians answering. But that meant we had over 10,000 non-Christians answering the questions as well. So instead of just asking Christians, do you tell your friends about Jesus? And them saying yes. We then correlated that with the response from non-Christians saying, has anybody ever spoken to you about Jesus? Do you know a Christian? What do you think of Christians? So we had a statistically significant survey of a large number of people. Um, and so that the video highlights a couple of things, and I just want to pull out a few other things from that piece of research. So six in ten people believe Jesus is a real person. That's really helpful, except the four in ten don't. And that is incontrovertible. No serious historian is, is querying that Jesus actually existed, but 40% of the population are. So that's a real hard start point to any conversation. So that's getting us thinking educationally about how we engage in that, and in the public square more, how we have the conversations that Jesus actually exists as a person. The majority of non-Christians in England and Wales know a Christian. That's that's going to be more true here because we have a higher number of Christians. So nearly every non-Christian in Northern Ireland knows them. It's it's well over uh, two-thirds in England and Wales. 
So again, non-Christians, no Christians. Non-Christians attribute actually more positive than negative uh, attributes to the Christians that they know. So we, even for terms around homophobia and some of those issues, actually they came really low and, and kind of generosity and things came high. So actually non-Christians have a reasonably good um, sort of idea of who we are and, and attribute positive things to us. Uh, more than half of non-Christians who know a Christian have had a conversation with Jesus about them. So the Christians said, yes, we've had a conversation. The non-Christians said, yes, they've had a conversation. So that was good. <laughs> they were confirming that. Um, so two-thirds of Christians have talked about their faith in the past month, um, which again we thought was a really encouraging figure. And when Christians talk about Jesus, the response is mixed. So it highlighted there, one in five have a kind of positive response to that. But in the scheme of things, and in the parable of sowers and all sorts of things, we'd say actually that's probably not that surprising um, that those kind of uh, figures came out. Um, the mixed response is this one. Yeah, so wanted to know more, 18%. Well, you can look at that in two different ways. You can be a bit depressed, but realistically, I mean, I think that's a great figure. That's at any one time in a conversation, 18% are up for knowing more. Um, open to an experience with Jesus. Um, and then, yes, there are some more negative ones in terms of the, the feeling uncomfortable or not around those conversations. So we as Christians need to understand how to do that a little bit better. But also, sometimes it's, it's just going to be uncomfortable. That's fine. That, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that response anyway. <laughs> um, and younger Christians, one of the other things that really struck out here, so the millennials and um, the skinny jeans people, um, that's what I was talking about. I'm trying to get in there, but I'm still not in. They're not skinny enough, and I'm nowhere near millennial. Um, so younger Christians talk about Jesus with non-Christians more often than older Christians. Um, and in pushing behind that, the reality is, a lot, for a lot of older Christians, it's either they, it's been a long time since they met Jesus, and they feel less comfortable sharing their faith. They meet less non-Christians. Um, so for millennials, they've nearly always made an active decision. There's, it's no longer, as a millennial, just a thing that you, you keep following Jesus. You've got to have opted in to some degree into this. And if they have, millennials, whatever they're into, they're fully into. So millennials, so that's 18 to 34-year-olds who are Christians, are much more likely, almost twice as likely, to share their faith with their friends as older Christians, um, uh, which is a, a big and an encouraging, I think, statistic around that. Um, the other thing we found in the survey and, and talking to people was that 9 out of 10 Christians we were surveying had been a Christian for more than 11 years. There were very few new converts in that. Just the reality was people, and so we know from all the data from Summer Madness from elsewhere, the majority of people become Christians under the age of 18. And so statistically, if you're over 40, you have less than 1% chance of becoming a Christian, which is like a real tragic. So males over 40, it's, it's write-off figures statistically. And yet, as Gavin, I think we'll say more on and has already hinted, and I would confirm, we have stories of men in particular coming to faith. So CVM doing great work with the rugby guys, and we have a video coming up from David McClay about the use of a video in his church in Willowfield. We'll show that, and then I'll do a few conclusions and then questions. Uh, over the next number of weeks, we have somewhere between 16 and 18 adults getting baptized in come to faith from right outside of the church over over the last little period of time. Um, one of those uh, is a guy called Chris, and uh, Chris found himself being given some pretty difficult news at a, in a hospital, but found himself sitting next to somebody who belonged to the church, and uh, he was invited along. 
following Sunday and uh, after a number of weeks gave his life to Christ and since that time his wife has given her life to Christ and we're currently praying for their for their sons to come to Christ as well. Um, uh, just a, a, another story that, um, that that comes to mind in terms of the uh, Hope UK, Billy Graham, DVD, how the Lord used that. Um, we had a young man who was actually at the time very <coughs> loosely connected to the church. He was diagnosed with cancer and uh, his parents started to come along to church after after this young guy's diagnosis. And uh, over the months that followed, they both, uh, the parents both gave their lives to Christ. Um, uh, Robert's illness continued to progress. We were really praying for and looking to God for a miraculous healing. But that didn't happen. Uh, but a number of months before Robert died, he sat down with a colleague of mine and watched the, the Billy Graham uh, DVD. And on the back of that, gave his life to the Lord. And at his funeral, a number of months later, we showed part of the DVD. And there were a significant number of people who, who responded that day. Uh, and, and since that time, actually, some of those who were present at the funeral, including Robert's cousin, have come to Christ. And uh, he's actually one of the young men that's going to be baptised over the next number of weeks. Wonderful. And I when you did the revival uh, at the funeral, I saw you were responding and taking the topics and explain a little more around Well, I'm always nervous in truth about about sharing about numbers, but uh, the way the appeal was given was that anyone who had prayed the prayer of commitment was asked to come to one side and ask for a copy of the DVD and uh, a booklet and those that wanted to simply think it through and go home and watch the DVD but they had to also actually make a deliberate effort to wait behind and ask for the DVD and there were, <coughs> I think it was 115 people uh, took the DVD to, to watch it at home and there were somewhere between 30 and 40 who prayed a commitment prayer there and then and asked for a booklet and a, and a DVD. This year so far, we've uh, seen people come to faith in Christ uh, through our door-to-door -door work. We've seen a number of people come to faith that way. We've seen people come to faith through Alpha. Uh, we've seen people come to faith uh, at Sunday services. And uh, we've seen people come to faith through the, the, the DVD as well, the Billy Graham DVD. Uh, we're not quite uh, seeing people come to faith every day, but that's something that we're pressing into God for and really crying out to God to, to do in the days and weeks and months that lie ahead. So that's wonderful stories from Willowfield, um, you know, East Belfast Parish Church. Um, and it captures some of what we want to say just to finish, is that the church has seen some decline. It does seem to me to be bottoming out. I feel like the nominalism is, is almost at an end. There are clearly areas of growth within the new churches, um, but also within established churches, but there are pockets there and they kind of get masked if you look just at the headline figures. 
you'll see an overall set of decline, but actually in that there are pockets of growth that are important to note. Um, there, there are real questions for the future, because um, the, the research that was done by the Nolan Show seems to be accurate, it was very detailed. Uh, and so if you're saying that 42% of people over 50 go to church, so you approach any 50-year-old so, uh, over 50, 42% of them are at church, but under 50 that drops to 14%. And as David highlighted, when you go to 18 to 24, it's 10%. If you were any other kind of business or in any other, you'd just be going, that's, that's a crisis point straight away. So there's a sustainability question for sure around that. There are a lot of Christians in Northern Ireland. Nearly everybody <coughs> in Northern Ireland knows a Christian. Um, most people come to faith under 18. That still remains true. Um, and so statistically, incredibly difficult for somebody over 40. But what the reason we're playing those stories and highlighting some of those is it is happening. And it's happening sometimes in dramatic ways. A guy sitting on Bombardier working and he saw a bright light. And a Christian who works, they said to me, nearly a quarter of a mile away, just the distance, the size of the site, happened to be up at his end, knocked the guy's door at that moment, came in, had an opportunity to start to chat to him. And within a week, the guy had come to faith. But it started with a bright light. And he said, I've just seen, when the, sorry, when the Christian knocked and came into his office, the guy said, I think I've just encountered God or something was his opening line. He said, I've just seen a light and I think it's God in my office. And that opened up the conversation. Um, millennials are good at sharing their faith. Millennials get a hard rap sometimes in some of these conversations. They're the most likely people to share their faith. So that's 18 to 34. And people are open to hearing about Jesus. And we have this huge group of people who have the ability to do it. But there is a serious question as to what's being modelled at the older end. So if hardly anybody over 40 is coming to faith, most people come to faith through friends and family, then we're not, we're not modelling that and, and we're investing everything in the under-18s, it seems like. And while that's important, if we don't model the other, that's going to be a serious problem going forward for the church. So there's loads more we can say, but I'd like to turn over for about 10 minutes to you guys. David will come and join me because he knows the real stats. And I bluff from the front. Um, so yeah, any questions about what we said or other other issues around, like what's going on with the church? He'll answer them. I'm going to be able to get a hold of the slides. Some of the slides are hard to see, but they're very interesting. Well, um, yes, we are going to be able to hold the slides. So we will put them on the EA website. And if you're on, is that the best place for us to put them? <laughs> Um, so on the EA, and if you go to the Northern Ireland section, we'll get those up. It might be a day or two because everybody's up here, but we'll make those available. The, the, the statistics that we've done, we intend to produce a report. We hope to have it by now, but because I want to go to each of the main churches and make sure what we're getting and what they're saying and get as close a correlation, I want it to be robust. So within the next six weeks, how long have I been saying that, boys? No, we really do hope to have a report by sort of October time, just about 15, 20 pages, giving the basic data on each of the main churches and groups. And hopefully part of that is put in the media to begin to say, here's a, a, like a robust number for who's going to church. You can't ignore this group all the time. Yeah. So, yes. So I was reading an article in the, in the National Papers last week. I think it was about the Church of England numbers. And the journalists described that well, the figures didn't look too bad, that we were on the edge of a cliff, because in another 20 years, mm-hmm. all the older people will have moved on. And I just wonder, if, is this a desperate situation? I mean, where's the Christian faith going to be in a couple of years? And the other thing that struck me was that, um, looking at the figures, that the children of people my age, an awful lot of them have obviously opted out of church, even those who made very strong commitments. And you sort of wonder where we've gone wrong. 
Right, so you should, Gavin Calver seminar next door on the children bit. Uh, no. So a couple of points there I would say is, yeah, the Church of England numbers are on a kind of cliff in one sense dropping a lot, but they would say that that's, in a sense, the nominal chunk coming out. So they're not as depressed uh, as, that's why, so some of the senior figures, the, the lady actually doing the voiceover on that is the Church of England's um, evangelism officer was part of that survey work that we were doing. So they would say the evangelical part within their church is growing. So actually the church in London and the evangelicals within the HTB network and others is seeing growth in the Church of England. Um, so it's a nominal part that's coming out um, or it's, it's dwindling away. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think what we are seeing is the death of nominalism. Uh, and as we sort of commented on before that there is no social pressure in the to church, quite the opposite. Um, and those who go uh, broadly, maybe in Northern Ireland, are still a bit um, of a cultural, you know, good living type is the phrase we use, isn't it? Um, but what we are seeing is the death of nominalism, and, and we sort of talked about this before. That's not a bad thing, you know. Jesus talks about heavy printing of of the branches and things, you know. Um, also, to go back, Cosworth says the gates of hell will not against against this church. So we 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 stand confident, but we don't stand. Um, you know, cocky or, or in, in a blind situation, we want to be wise, we want to be winsome, uh, and we want to be aware of what is going around in the culture and in the church around us. Um, but we are seeing dramatic changes in, in, in what's going on in church compared to maybe some previous generations, for sure. So, in an event like this, we're seeing the age profile go down quite significantly, and, and it's not getting smaller, and some of our madness isn't getting smaller. So, these are some of the kind of currents, is one of the reasons we want to do the research. Because the perception is it's a crisis time in the church, and on one level it's dwindling, but we also are aware of lots of growing churches. So when Peter Brierley, who's the main Christian statistician in the UK, did his research in Northern the last really big piece, it was 1994, and the independent churches, it was a total of 1,000 people. It was essentially CFC, I suspect, was the church. That sector we now know is massively bigger, but nobody's able to capture the numbers because they're really bad at reporting. I say somebody, both Baptist and now in an independent church or a vineyard church, both those groups have not always been great at sharing their figures and getting them out. So one of the reasons we wanted to start capture that and say, well, hold on. So there is decline in some of the mainstream churches. But what, are people leaving the church or going elsewhere? Not making a comment on the good or bad of that. We need to know the numbers. So that sector has clearly grown, and we can now see that. It was 66,000 across that. Um, so we're not, I'm not unconcerned, but at the same time, we're making a lot of people who are really passionate and are sharing the faith. So we're trying to hold the tension of those two numbers. I don't like the prophet of doom stuff. Like I see amazing stuff happening and people coming to faith last night to see three first-time commitments, nine recommitments in an event like this. Fantastic. Yes? Did your survey capture any evidence about um, what the growing churches are doing differently? What's helping them buck the trend in contrast to many churches who are declining slightly? No, so phase two is to do that statistically. We've anecdotally engaged with them to try and understand some of what they're doing. Um, so one of the reasons I showed David McClay's video was that that's a, was certainly a reason to be traditional parish church in East Belfast. They're doing door-to-door. They're doing Billy Graham, My Hope, DVD and Alpha. That's quite an unusual combination. My English colleagues think it's bizarre. They're like, if you're in the Billy Graham camp, you do that. If you're in the Alpha camp, you do that. Nobody does both. But David's wonderful because they're going, do you know what? We have a kind of mixed parish of 
yes, young professionals, but older, the terraced houses, we've got social, you've got a whole lot of going, things going on. He says, we need to have a whole lot of tools in our armory, ways of engaging people. So, uh, yeah, so we like, what we want to do then when we get this round is press back in and see where is the growth and why is it growing? Because again, people have ideas and that's important in their stories. Um, but we've also got to know, like, is it true and what's really happening in those churches? And are they seeing converts, like fresh converts, and we know some of them are, or just church transfers? Um, so the short answer is no, we don't have the real the data on it yet. Okay. And I don't like to, I can tell stories around it, but I'm conscious of it. Next year's seminar. Ne- well, <laughs> don't time into that. Yes, hopefully next year's seminar. <laughs> Sorry, over here. Um, your, and your statistics there about people coming to faith, would that be uh, a weekly thing or a monthly thing or a year? That was thing? their annual number. Annual. annual number. So we made it as broad as we could. We said, how many people are you aware of coming, coming, coming to faith and meeting Jesus through anything to do with your church, including the people we tried to make? So we said, not just your events. Um, so for some, they were obviously responding quite well that night. It's, it's not a, a great statistical question to drill at, it's more that we wanted some stories we were at, we're just trying to... Because I don't want to just put the data of how many people are church, that's the big thing we want to know, who's meeting Jesus. So we got some of those stories and encouraged those, we're going back to people and trying to hear more, but those are annual numbers. How many people, the on average of church, are seeing coming to Jesus. And there were like 10 churches said none in the last year, which is like, really... Oh, heartbreaking. Well, yeah, can we help you do something with that, please? Sorry. What was the figure then for the other, you know, for converts? We didn't get to see that. The other, oh, because we, uh, it's, it's, we can't easily, <laughs> anyway, we're, we're still, we're getting some statistical advice to help us pull out the, the to get it averaged accordingly because there's such variety across those spectrums. Um, so basically, yeah, the guys didn't have time to do all the things I asked them to do. <laughs> That's okay. Sorry, is, is that local, or is are those statistics from uh, the denomination or the average church? So you said six in a in per church per annum, but is that across that denomination, or no. the church within it? That's, That's a local church. Yeah. Average church on what they responded to us. So you got to remember, when we start drilling down into a smaller set of churches. We got 140 responses. That's 10 percent of all churches. At the top level data, we're, we're analysing that against what they know about church attendance, and that varies. On something like the coming to faith, that's solely based on response to us. So when you get down to the Methodist, you might, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but you might be down to eight or nine churches responding. So it's not statistically robust. We'll put that in a report, but we'll make that clear. The top line stuff is the hard stats for those who like that. The bottom line is more anecdotal. We're asking them to tell us. It's what they told us. There's not enough churches to say that's a good, solid figure. We're just giving it as an indication to compare with other churches. Is there an aspect of the consumer society coming in where, where people are moving about churches? They, they go for a while to one church and then move on to another one uh, because that is the flavour of the month? So, anecdotally, that, that is probably true. The places, going back to the questions of growth, I mean, the places that grow seem to have really strong community engage, engagement. That seems to be one of their big things. Um, and um, they tend to have a more charismatic style of worship. We know that. Are people moving? We can't say for sure. We probably all know anecdotally whether that's true or not. We're not able to capture that movement of people in the same way. And, and, and so I want to keep that statistical part of the answer. I don't know. Um, so is, is what I would say there. But so one, certainly one of the hints is it is those who are driving a kind of 
more socially engaged ministry and are prepared to push out and do evangelism. If those who are seeing people come to faith seem to have something arranged around it, be it street work, be it Alpha, be it Franklin Graham, be it Evangelism Explosion, whatever, it's not having coincidentally. They are they are seeking to see people come to Jesus in a way that others don't seem to be. So I'd say that bit. Yes, uh, on snapshots, snapshot Sunday, did you count the people in the churches, or did you ask the minister? We asked them or somebody in their church to count. So we don't have the ability. So yeah. they, we we call it, and then the Church of Ireland have done a, a much uh, more detailed it. head count in that way. And their responses to us correlated with their head count survey over four Sundays in a month. So that really encouraged us that we weren't sort of off kilter. Yeah, so it is based on people's responses to us. What we're trying to do is always correlate that with other data that's out there and keep drilling, keep drilling until we get it. So our Presbyterian number looked a little high. I looked at it, we'd, we'd surveyed half a dozen really. Uh, our, our initial one, we had a lot of big Presbyterian churches responding. So we began to process that and pull that number down just slightly because we thought ours was unbalanced. Mm-hmm. And then we can do it in the statistics. We'll explain why we've done that or if we've taken churches off the top and the bottom to get a better average. I don't trust ministers to count. Well, you can possibly comment. Um, I wouldn't like to rely on those numbers alone. Um, Having done counts in our church, unless you count every person, it's 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 incredible how you can skew a number by putting an extra row of chairs or not and and get numbers wrong. But there's no other way. You've got to be... The Catholic Church did a head count on every single person coming in on one Sunday to get their number. And correlating different bits of information... I don't think we're a million miles away with some of those numbers. It's the big chunks that are interesting to me. These guys have all different views. It's the 190,000 in Protestant churches on Sunday, Snapshot Sunday, correlating to 2.30 in a month, and then how that splits across the three. Those are kind of the big driving numbers that get me interested in then beginning to help leaders think, right, what does that mean? And then who's coming to faith and where's the growth? One last question, then we better wrap up. You can ask us after. Within the Presbyterian Church, a lot of money has been spent by congregations building new churches, replacement churches, new hall complex, etc. Uh, I belong to Hillsborough, we spent 1.4 million in the last four years, not on the church but on hall complex. Our numbers are not growing, but the numbers financially correlate to the drop in attendance and also uh, age profile. In other words, age profile indicates that there's financial support within the church is from the older generation. Mm-hmm. That's bound to have an impact, is it not, as the years go on? Yes. And then there's good news about spending money, or borrowing money and spending money, on building your new buildings. And very respectfully, I'm trying, the, the Presbyterian Church have the least helpful numbers. I can tell you that our, our own church, we did a, it was supposed to be a rough survey done of our attendance about a year ago, and the, the number given was about a hundred higher than the accurate number because I did not personally accurate number for four weeks in a row. I want to talk to you more. That's a bad over So, uh, yeah, and it seems to us difficult to predict any kind of trend if you're not keeping data, even if it is about decline. And so some churches, I will not say what, which seem to be a little hesitant because they don't want to then sort of crystallize the decline by putting in numbers, but the reality is to do training, to do any kind of prep, to think through youth, etc. we've got to have some understanding of what's going on. So we were encouraging people to at least do some stats so you can get your own trends and see what's happening. Otherwise, any other business, you're just finger in the wind and just making it up as you go along. So 
Folks, hopefully that's been a helpful kind of snapshot overview, and we're happy to take any other questions. We'll be here this time tomorrow with the Attorney General, the Communities Minister, Trevor Morrow, and Nicola Brady from the Irish Council of Churches doing a political Q&A uh, with yours truly in the chair. Just going to plug that because we're here in this wonderful venue. That is going to be really exciting, I think. And then on, on Wednesday, I'm engaging with Scott as to whether Christians should be in politics, so just to flag those. Thank you so much for coming, and any other questions, as these back. Cheers.